0: professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Alexander Lemkin.
1: Alexander is a web engineer and architect focused on accessible and extensible solutions.
2: Welcome, Alexander. Hey, thanks for having me. So before we jump into the meat of things, would you give us a little bit more of an introduction to yourself? Uh, Perhaps, you know, talk about how you got started in the industry?
3: Sure. Yeah, I'm uh husband, dad, amateur guitarist, D&D enthusiast, and then also code sometimes. Currently a senior developer at uh, CarMax, and I'm the founder and principal architect of Flapjack Technologies, private software consulting company. I have got started in the industry, really, um, when I was in college. I was actually pre-med. Uh, I was doing... Re- well, I started pre-med and... Kind of pivoted to a more research role. I, I was doing research at the medical school uh, on various things. Um, like my main focus for that research was biological gerontology, which was the the study of aging uh, on a cellular level. Um, well, a year in, I wasn't making a whole bunch of a whole bunch of progress on the research. I know that's kind of like it's a multi year effort, and then like eventually it gets published on papers. It is published now um, under Dr. Mikal Masternack over there. But I was just kind of like, this is way too slow for me so my degree was actually in like biology and physics and i was just like oh let me just slap a minor in computer science and get an internship and um <laughs> figured wow this this feels a lot better just like oh man i do something and i can make it and throw it out there and it's it's just working awesome and that's pretty much it and-
2: cool so um uh, i know you're working with carmax and you have your own company as well, is that where you started, or you know, kind of what what we were? How did you start out?
3: I actually started. I learned a lot of my basics from a small startup in while I was in college at a place uh, called Agile Source. They're just kind of like a small consulting company that had some private projects and all that. Uh, the the CEO Mark Horn uh, kind of took me under his wing and, and just taught me like a whole bunch, like a lot of the the core that I would have missed mostly from school right i had like i don't know probably listen if he listens to this, if he listens to this podcast uh it, it, i guess he'll just find out that i kind of just faked my way into their <laughs> to their internship like i remember like i would have definitely not gotten it if when i went for the interview the interview room because it was like a big shared like startup space it had actually like been booked by someone else and they're like oh they didn't realize they had to book it so we had to go outside to like the, the cafe or something like at first it was like oh it was this big conference room with whiteboards everywhere but instead we went outside and like while they were talking to me like we they had to shout because they decided to start mowing the lawn right next to us right. and so and so i i was i was just showing them like a project from my one of my java class like most of the code had been written by the ta or something and like i filled out some stuff and i was like Oh, yeah, this game yeah i mm-hmm. i wrote wrote this for sure myself, um just kind of pointing out what it did, like, oh, this is it running, and they're like, we like you, man, you want to come work for us so I was like, hell, oh, yeah, so I didn't know what I didn't even know what an interface was
0: I know you have a particular interest in accessibility as it pertains to software and applications and things like that. So what what got you interested in that? And what are we talking about when we're talking about accessibility as it
3: pertains to applications? Now, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. That's, uh, that's something that actually surprised a lot of people what, what got me into it. I wasn't just like one day like, you know, like, oh man, I have to do good in the world. Um, I think it was mostly just like getting inspired by the people around me um, and, and mostly by my wife. Um, so she actually actually finished up her PhD uh, not too long ago um, in rhetoric and composition, and she specialized in disability studies for, for her scholarship and research. Um, and just kind of throughout her, like, I mean, her life with me, at least, she's been like infinitely passionate uh, about accessibility and di- disability advocacy, um, and just kind of like channeling that through the work that she does, um, the scholarship that she writes, and um uh, now, like the work that she does uh, post, post-PhD post and all, and it, it just got me thinking mostly about it, right? I'm just like, okay, interacting with this and, and constantly like being in the presence of somebody this, this passionate about it. I'm translating it over like technologically uh, to my sort of area of expertise. And, and I'm saying, okay, well, like, how can I get into this and, and, and roll into it? As far as like, what we're talking about when we're talking about accessibility. You know, accessibility really is, it's about like the disabled for the most part, making things accessible for the disabled. We don't want to kind of minimize that that point. It definitely helps for everybody, but we, we want to focus on like, how are we removing barriers of access to those that traditionally are missing those that access some statistics that are probably like helpful to, center yourself on, um, 15 to 25% of the world is actively disabled. It's a pretty high number, right? And that's not even including situational disabilities. Um, situational being like holding a baby and you're trying to get in the door or, you know, it's icy outside and you don't have the best balance or it's really loud. You can't hear kind of stuff like that. Um, and over the course of everyone's life that number pretty much shoots up to 100%, like 100% of people will have had or have a disability of some kind over the course of their life. Even if you think like, okay, you make it all the way to old age, you're getting arthritis, or you're getting slower, not able to do the things uh, that you were able to, and and you're sort of like accumulating those disabilities that you need uh, different access.
0: Throughout my my childhood, my father was diagnosed with MS when I was pretty young, uh, still, and and so he had a progressive form of MS that that slowly kind of took away some of his abilities to to be able to walk and stand and write and type and and work on the computer and things like that. So I I, I find those ideas and ideals keep them close to heart that I, I want to make sure that the the applications that we're designing are useful and utilized by everyone or can be utilized by everyone. So is that what we need to keep in mind is that as we're developing applications that they can and should be used by people that maybe have different capabilities, different abilities, whether it's vision, speech, touch, feel, typing, that type of thing, Or, or what do we need to keep in mind as we're trying to design accessible applications?
3: Thanks for sharing that. Uh, sorry to hear about your father. Um, as, as far as like the overall of what we're trying to keep in mind, how we're building things accessibly, If we're talk, if we're jumping into the digital aspect of it, uh, it helps to understand uh, like what you're developing for. Um, so uh, like types of disability is a good um, cornerstone to kind of touch upon there. Uh, the overarching ones that you have are permanent, temporary, and situational. Um some permanent being like you're, you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Um, and temporary being like, uh, you've gotten a dilation at the, uh, when, when you go to the eye doctor, right. And now you're like super light sensitive. So you need glasses. You can't see as well. Um, you can't do some of the things that you're normally able to do. And then situational being some that I've mentioned, like you're, you're holding a baby and you're trying to do something that is a little bit more dangerous now because you're off balance or you don't have access to both hands. Uh, and then with, under that subset, you have um, internal and external, the main categories of those would, would probably be around like mobility, speech, sight, hearing, and, and cognitive. And then, um, you'd break down like, you know, are those physical, are they internal, external, um, are some of them situational some of them temporary. And so within that, you know, there's kind of like, there's a whole bunch to sort of think about and, and, and categorize. Keeping that in mind gives you an idea of like what you're trying to develop for. Like, uh, if if it's hearing external and they're fully deaf, you know, what are you trying to accomplish on your site? You know, make things accessible that are maybe like audio only, right? Talking about this podcast, right? If um, somebody's deaf and is trying to interact with the, with this podcast, uh, we'd want to do something like have transcripts available of what was said in the podcast so that somebody can just go on the site, download the transcript and read through that rather than having to rely on them, listening to something they can. not
1: I find in most places that accessibility is like security. You know, you need it. Maybe there's a few people that want to do it, but it's, it's such a intricate and detailed subject matter that people find it difficult to do without an expert. What are the things that we can use that would maybe make that easier? For instance, me I know you want to use colorblind appropriate colors on your, on your website. I know that you want to use ARIA tags and stuff like that to improve um, the readability from screen readers and, and, and some other things. But I don't know all the stuff. And even the ARIA tags, it's like, do I really have to go and tag every single element to do a thing is there, there's gotta be like an easier way. Is there, are there any tools that can help with that process of not only applying accessibility features that maybe I already know exist, but also uh, finding places that I don't know about?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing about that is definitely a daunting task, a very apt description, like security, and nobody really knows where to start with that, um, but everybody knows they need it. Same thing with accessibility, there's just kind of so much going on. Um, like at the base level, there's the American, with Disabilities Act, right? That was passed in 1990, um, which I mean, just a whole tangent. Really surprising that it's just so recent, right? And kind of before that, there were no protections essentially for the disabled, um, like even to the point you know where they had to attend schools and like basements and a quote regular schools and and or like not attend at all kind of thing. Um, whole whole different thing. But if we're talking to like uh, tools available. Um, everything's kind of built on top of that, the the sort of guidelines that are coming out of the Americans with Disabilities Act and um, how we're applying that to different different facets of technology. Um, and the main authority on that would be um, WCAG, WCAG, uh, and, and their sort of overall standard. Um, they have all sorts of documentation. Uh, if you go in there like through W3 or anything uh, and using that browsers and and other companies have released all sorts of things that you can use to kind of really just like wrap or shore up um your knowledge base in something uh i'll mention one of the one of these tools that's that's really nice in a second but if we roll back to like how to make something accessible without being an expert on it it mostly comes down to really semantic html um, so if we're thinking of, like, what is an accessible page, it's really, like, if you, de- if you delete CSS, delete JavaScript, don't even worry about it, and you're just, like, writing out content on a page in HTML, just using HTML semantically um, in a way that is laid out correctly, um, especially using guidelines from WCAG. Like, you know, if you have your navigation, it's in the nav, uh, nav tag, and then all of your main content is in a main tag, uh, and then everything in there is, you can use sections, you could use paragraphs, use headers like H1 through H3 in the correct order, and then the correct parts on the page. And um, this brings everything together. And and of course, use like normal tags, like anchors and, and buttons and stuff that just come with everything working out of the box, right? Uh, like you, you'll have one of the most accessible <laughs> sites, and sites on the planet, really, just because it's like... Um, out of the box like if you're if you're using everything as intended it'll uh it'll get you like 95 percent of the way there um if the extra stuff comes in like if something doesn't have a fully accessible like title or something you want to like if the button just says send you'll want to like put a title on that or something that's like send form to x or whatever just to just so that somebody knows exactly what this button is doing um kind of thing and and then when you start the problem comes when you start laying like javascript and and css and stuff and you start hiding things and and changing the order of things and manipulating the dom in different ways so that things are like disappearing and coming back um now you're kind of worried about like okay well i've started changing the way that the entire web page works uh, by default how do i how do i like come back and and make this um work it helps if you think of it from like the beginning, right? Like I've I've built out everything in HTML. Now, how do I just not deviate too much from how everything works at a base level? Um, but reality is, we're like we're, we're probably mostly coming into sites that have existed for like at least five years uh, or more 5 20 years, and um, they're huge, complicated things with dozens of people that have worked on them at some point, and you kind of just need to know, how do I fix some things? How do I continue on with other things? Uh, and a lot of that can be done, like, in the code itself through static analysis. And one of my favorite things to use is is uh, from the Ally Project, A11y. Uh, they have, really, if you go to Ally Project, A11yproject.com, they have, like, almost all the information that you need to know, and like a bunch of tools and tech, every screen reader you ever want to know, a bunch of linters for different technologies. Um, One of my favorite things to use from them is their static analysis linters for JavaScript, which will um, do stuff like go through your code and make sure uh, a lot of the accessibility guidelines are being followed uh, from WCAG standards. Uh, and and they do have a React plugin, which is really, really helpful because you write HTML and JavaScript, and uh, it it's a lot easier to like have a static analysis on the non templated language, uh, and and kind of get that in there. So that's really fun. You know, it'll go see it'll say, oh, you have image tags, and you know you have no alt text. You know, it's going to call that out, call that out in your in your static analysis kind of stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just just sort of basic breakdown. Write HTML semantically following just normal WCAG and W3 standards, and then kind of build up from there, knowing that if you use things the way is intended, they'll be accessible almost by default, with some care having to be given to, um, especially like content pieces. You know, anywhere that you're writing content, like uh, the title of buttons or links, stuff like that, you know, just keeping in mind how do I make content accessible and And like images and stuff, right? You know, how am I giving that alt text and and all that?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I've been familiar with some of the the websites mentioned, the ADA.gov and and the Ally Project and things like that. It's good to know that there are things that can help us guide in the right direction so that we are getting started off on the right foot as we're developing our application so that we don't have to go back in like Clayton mentioned and, and just kind of tack on accessibility at the end.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely, definitely starting off on the right foot is good. But uh, like I said, a lot of people are coming into existing code bases, So um, just finding those tools that'll help you kind of figure it out. One other good thing to look at is like um, Mozilla docs. They have a lot of a lot of stuff in them. But if you look at the uh, ARIA docs specifically in Mozilla and ARIA roles, it lists out pretty much every role that something can take on a web page, you know, stuff like alerts, buttons, links, uh, you know, and, and 45 other things I don't want to list out right here. <laughs> but it's really interesting, probably just even for the betterment of, of, of yourself as a developer, you go through and you read those document that documentation and you see like, okay, like if something is acting like a button on the page, um, and this is where like ARIA roles come in, you know, if I've tagged something with an ARIA role button, what does this actually, like this element actually have to do to be a button? Uh, And it's going to go through that. And some of the things that a button needs is, you know, it's an interactable element. All buttons need to be interactable with spacebar and enter. If it's a toggleable button, you know, it needs something else on it that's like pressed or not pressed. So and like all of these things, they come right out of the box with like the button element.
0: What else do we need to know about what else would you prefer that developers that haven't spent the time to th- to really dive into some of this and think about what it is we should be concerned about as we're developing our applications? What do you wish more people knew about before they got started?
3: I used to be helped to to kind of talk about thinking accessible, accessibly and then like showing how that um, will relate to the technologies that we're working on. So kind of the main point of of living accessibility is, accessibly is thinking universally. Uh, So like not only how am I personally impacted by like something in my sphere of influence or environment, uh, but how would this impact somebody else, right? Um, You're being proactive on your solutions, uh, even if nobody has complained about it or mentioned it and and without somebody having to ask for it. This is living accessibly and, and universally. Just think about how you're personally impacted by things in everyday life and, and just kind of get there. You know, like, is this within my reach? Can I get in here easily? Is there a specific barrier? You know, how would somebody in a wheelchair reach that kind of thing?
0: It's kind of expanding what we normally do or what we should normally be doing as we're designing our interfaces in our applications. That we're we're thinking about how our users are going to interact with the system. We're trying to take away any friction, any pain points. So we're just saying we also need to be aware that there are differently abled people that are going to be potentially accessing our applications. And
3: how are they going to find the interface? Absolutely, yeah. Just think of it in terms of like the type of person that might be using it and then the device that they're coming from. You know, if you're blind and you're on a mobile device, how are you interacting with my stuff? And like, how are you getting there? If you're deaf and on a tablet, you know, how are you... Getting, getting to my content and, and and using this, just just all sorts of things. And and this actually starts a lot earlier than you think. If we're talking about like tech considerations, um, we actually have to start at the data layer, especially for companies that are very data and like content oriented. Um, if you're serving data from data pipelines, you know um, whether well, that's like a base level, you know, something that you own in a database or you're, you're feeding it through uh, like data feeds or something or, or events, you know, what is, what is it that I'm trying to serve? And even though you're all the way at the data, data layer, you may think like, okay, I don't have to think about like, how's a blind person going to interact with my data? That's like a UI person's job, but it's not really. Cause like, I'm storing, I'm going out, I'm taking pictures and I'm, st- I'm storing them in our database. And now we're the source of truth for these pictures. But these pictures need alt text, right? To even to like a more something that's like a little bit more tangible, videos. If if I'm a company that produces videos, like stock videos or something that can be consumed by other people through a microservice, you know, these videos, if they have like talking in them or like whatever, whatever is happening, what is the video about? You know, we want some kind of accessible explanation or description. Of what's going on in there because it's not like it's not reasonable to think that once it gets through someone's back end and then up to their front end that they're going to know what to do with it like they're going to know how to explain it to somebody right especially if it's an automated process I just want to show videos that you're publishing to my users uh, but like I have no idea what accessible descriptors to put on that right or like a transcript uh, for a deaf person watching a video I'm serving off of you if you don't provide that like I can't I'm not transcripting everything coming out of there. So, like, from the data layer, that's a very important thing um, to, to build into your process, right? Build into the process of, like, how are we thinking about how we're creating and generating content and, like, putting it in a way that can be served, not just, like, the thing itself, but also all of the metadata that surrounds it. So by the time it gets up to the UI of the, or whatever backend is trying to consume it, it can just... Um, they can just kind of pull that metadata off and put it where it needs to go.
1: Yeah, I was working at a, at a company a few years ago. They were creating videos for their for their customers. And they were like, "Okay, yeah, so we're just going to put subtitles on the video." And I was like, "Well, like, we say subtitles. You mean like just on the on the on the picture of the video or like closed captioning?" And they were like, "Oh, just on the picture of the video." And I'm like, "What what if the person is, you know, what if they're blind or what if they're what if they're deaf or, you know, like what if they're just on a subway and they they can't listen to it for whatever reason and they just want to read it. We should we should do closed captioning. And then not only can we have that there, we can also translate it for any anybody who's speaking a different language. And they just looked at me like I had grown a thumb out of my forehead. And then that that never happened. The thumb or the or the closed captioning.
3: Those are those are great call-outs, yeah. Like you should definitely call that stuff out. And that's 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 the data consideration that they're talking about, right? Language internationalization and um like um, media accessibility are the top some of the top ones for that and and like calling that out and knowing what to do with it at that base level um, is so important because uh, that builds like the foundation for whatever's trying to consume it right and, and there are all sorts of standards out there as well like um, from a tech consideration right we're talking all about like standards that exist for the UI like WCAG and everything but there are data standards and everything that exist for making data accessible um from the way that transcripts are done, their specific data formats. Uh, I, I can't I can't remember that off the top of my head right now, but um, the way that you format those files and the way that you put them with videos and, and all that and that's that's all outlined out there and, and how to make that happen.
1: So what what would you say, let's say the situation that I was in where they just looked at me like I was stupid. What would you say to I guess a, a developer working on a team that's trying to Trying to get these accessibility features uh, built into the project, um, but they're getting resistance from, I don't know, a project manager or or something. Is there an argument that they could make that might win over the project manager, even though the project manager doesn't care that blind people, or deaf people, or colorblind people, or name your disability people may not be able to use the application?
3: You know, apart from the fact that, like, the idea that some user wouldn't be able to interact with like the thing that you're building isn't enough of an argument of itself. Right. Uh, And, and of course just the fact that like it's a law or there are several laws around it and different, different areas and, and all that. Um, It's really hard to say because like it comes down to where do you work and who are you interacting with? Like what, what what are they prioritizing? Uh, Because the only way it gets done is if you personally are prioritizing it. Uh, And, and, and kind of like generating it out from there. Ideally, you know, the company has some kind of standard that they're, they're trying to follow and be compliant with and, and trying to make sure everybody is is in line with that. But it, it also comes down to just individuals. Like I'm just, I'm just a developer. You come on a team, you're working on some product or you're working on something personally, just you give thought to these things, even if it's like you're pushing against the tide of whoever your product owner is, your teammates are. Anything you can get your hands on, you know, change it, change it for the better, make some accessible stuff, be the standard that uh, other people can follow and and kind of like show them, show them how to do it, show them that you're getting it done. And it's and it's really not that that hard or uh, it it becomes like no extra work once you're building it into your process and your pipeline and um, you you have these tools that are helping you out.
1: So so just like TDD, I, I don't know how to write HTML non semantically. It's just how it comes out. I don't know.
2: I think a lot of the things that we've said uh, make a lot of sense and with the way the way that the industries are current you know, screen readers and um we talked about like closed captioning and like the different sort of utilities and um hooks so we can kind of jump in to support differently abled people. One thing that I that I keep thinking about, and this is really not like this is more of a philosophical question and pushing that way as opposed to practical application today. You know, I was thinking about like how, you know, when we're trying to, when we think about like mobile first or we think about different UIs, which we've, we've, you know, we understand as an industry, we want to be abstracting our UIs away from like the fundamental business logic and the, the, the understanding. So because, you know, when I go to present something on a web page, it's a very different experience than presenting it on a phone um the screen real estate even if the resolutions are the same that like how big images can be and how much information can be on the screen is fundamentally like different and so we even like have gone to the point of saying well i'm going to create a whole never ui whole nother experience for this kind of context and this kind of con-. i wonder if part of the problem that we have is that we're not actually thinking about this from a UI perspective. And instead, we're sort of like left trying to bring the visual experience for a person who doesn't have visual experience. (laughs) Like they're struggling with that visual. So we then have to have a tool that interprets the visual experience instead of having a tool or a way for us to target a UI that's maybe directly to that to that auditory experience. So maybe there's a nonverbal human UI or a verbal human UI maybe as an industry we need to kind of think about this from like a different UI perspective where we say hey these experiences matter and we should be targeting them natively. But I wonder even is that enough and and um again I've not really had that thought other than here we've just been listening to the people, you know, listen to us talk so just,
3: like, latching on a little bit to the um, the part where you said, like, targeting a different experience, 100%, like, we, we are very visually oriented. Um, I mentioned it early on, like, beyond HTML, everything is just fluff. Like, they're adding on CSS, mm-hmm. you're adding on JavaScript to do a bunch of stuff you don't need to serve the same content.
2: I mean, it's easy to say we don't need it, but, like, it is the thing that drives the experience. And, like, a website that has a good experience, you know really does drive and make that product
3: yeah i don't i don't mean but like that's... you don't you don't need it like i just mean like it gets the same it gets the same point across mm-hmm. we're just starting to add like layers on top of it to stand out in the crowd or something but just coming from from that perspective it starts to get more and more and more visual and like mm-hmm. very specific in that and you're like starting to get farther and farther away from the semantics of how something was already fully accessible to everyone and getting more uh like towards like how we're we making like the best experience for a sighted person but it, it would be really interesting like you know philosophically talking just pivoting to target other audiences and see like what if i you know what if we're targeting like a blind experience more you know what you right. come to a, a site kind of like you're saying and it is just a it's just an auditory experience there's no visuals whatsoever you're just talking to it and it's like guiding you. Like you don't, you don't need anything to interact with it um, other than your voice, like assuming you could speak right. And, and hear.
2: Maybe that's not for everyone. And, but like maybe even some people who are sighted would prefer that experience over over another. And it's sort of like the dark theme versus light theme, like the more varied we can sort of tailor these experiences. And, and from a business perspective, I, I think like this is kind of like to go back to Clayton's, the reason why we spend so much time and energy and, money in making killer uis to like capture the customer right like to to make sure that their experience is like fantastic and they don't want to turn to any other product they want to come to ours right and so to me it seems like there's got to be some opportunity (laughs) there that just isn't being realized that someone needs to start doing it and uh you know people, you know, who realize those things. So I'm, I, I might know.
3: go try something like that, like a full <laughs> it's just like a it's just like an auditory text adventure and you can very yeah. easily make that accessible, you know, whatever you're doing, that's just a full speaking and listening, it's also the option, you know, like press press a button at the beginning here and switch it to just full text mode if you're deaf or something, right? And and you can just click through the options to ask you a question, you click you click some options or something that that it could have responded to. But for sure, yeah, I mean, like, definitely, like, we're like, we are trying to just grab those sighted users, Um, but the blind user comes in, they don't care about and like, they can't see any any of this, like, stuff that we're putting on with the accessibility, right, we're trying to make it as universally accessible as possible. And right, right, like not trying to deviate so much from that original that it's, it's just kind of impossible for anybody that isn't, you know, this subset um, that we think is the most important uh, is, is kind of missing out.
1: My brain goes in a slightly different direction, like maybe like an accessible markup language, right? So the accessible markup language would define the features available to the user. Just the features, not how they're presented, just the features. Then you tack on something extra that's like CSS and JavaScript, right? Where you define an experience using those features. Maybe you have your web adapter, and then that, that turns it into a, into a website that consists of those features. And you have your audio adapter, which turns it into a navigable audio adventure.
0: So have we missed anything along the way? Are there anything that you uh, think that our listeners should be sure to be aware of as they continue to move forward and think about accessibility in their applications?
3: Probably one thing, you know, just want to reiterate, like, a good design principle for anything is really just try to keep it simple, um, and that can always be turned into, you know, very good design, because keeping things simple for any user is is very important. Nobody wants to be bombarded with information or be overwhelmed by anything they're looking at. They want to just be able to. They want something to work, uh, and they want it to be, you know, a good experience for them. Uh, and and just working from that, you know, like accessibility is really like the best thing to focus on because. It just uh, forces you to follow these good principles that'll, that'll by default like, make these experiences better for everyone, more, more simple, more straightforward, and, and, uh, and get you there. Another thing to do is just um, like thinking accessibility, accessibly and universally um, is also putting yourself in their shoes, literally in some ways. And like a lot of these tools are available to do. But if you want to like, put yourself in the shoes of a blind uh, user of your site, if you're on a Mac voiceover is, is a, um, screen reader that just comes built in, you know, you search for voiceover utility, pop it on, or, um, I think narrator is on uh, windows just comes kind of built in and, you know, just try to navigate things, try to navigate your own site or the things that you're working on, um, with, uh, these screen readers and, and just see, you know, how do you do, how is this experience? And, like, do I hate my life right now? Is nothing working? <laughs> you know, and, and, and just kind of, kind of feeling it. And um, I know as developers, you know, anything that we're working on, we, we have a, a fire lit under our, you know, ourselves, like for anything, like, Oh, you know, I found a bug in my code. I got to fix that. Like it's not the best experience it can be or, you know, users complaining about something or like there's a feature that can be done that can make things better. And, you know, I think we'll all feel the same way about this If if we talk about it and encounter it and, and just experience it
2: cool uh so you've mentioned the um a11y project ally project uh and the wcag is there are there other resources um that you might point people to uh that would really help them get started
3: yeah not to not to overwhelm anybody but really kind of look into that i know ibm has their own i mean there there are a dozen different um, sort of accessibility assistants now that kind of mm-hmm. exist. Uh, IBM has created one. Uh, Microsoft has created one. I think that's like Accessibility Insights that I owe. Uh, uh, They've they've put out that that sort of standard and um, accessibility assistant for parsing websites and figuring out um, you know what what are glaring issues, what are more things that you can kind of dig into, and, and how do you address these things? Probably starting with one of those assistants will be really, really helpful. I know at CarMax we use level access that that comes with its own accessibility assistant. Really just kind of pick one, dig into it and and get it working on the sites that you're working into. Oh, one more, like always know the tools that are available on your browser. Like in Chrome, they have accessibility assistants um, built right into it. There are are all sorts of things in there, like little accessibility tabs for while parsing a page. Um, They also have Lighthouse built in there that will go through and give you insights and reports generated um so like f- figure out all those t- report generators and and assistants that you can use and have it parse to sites that you're working on and just to see what it's pointing out you know what it, are the header are headings wrong is is like st- some stuff like not interactable that should be is everything keyboard accessible and um, dig into what it's telling you and like how it's telling you that you could go about fixing this and um, that's really your expert right there. You know, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know, I have this tool. It can tell me a lot of what's wrong or needs, needs work for attention. And like, I start researching each piece individually on how to get that done.
1: What has been helpful in your career that you might share with those just getting started or trying to level up their own careers?
3: So the one thing that's helped me in my career, if I would to say, it's not like, it's not like a thing, more like a concept. Um, it's. I'm just going to like toss out the word mentorship, um, anywhere, anywhere that I'm coming into, uh, you always want to be where people know more than you and they're, they're they're doing things different than you've done before. And you can just sort of like latch on and absorb all that information out of their mind. Like you just, you're a little parasite, you go in, (laughs) suck it all out, gain all that knowledge. Right. And that has been how I've been able to learn so much over the years now wherever i'm going whatever i'm doing just like latch on to your teammates latch on to you know your your managers the people that you're working with the people that you're working for the people you're building things for and like absorb all the knowledge and information they have to give you and and like that i mean that'll just level you up faster than you, you could think possible
2: where can our listeners go to follow you and keep up with what you're working on that's easy. Nowhere.
3: <laughs> I mean, I have, I have my personal site. It's really just information about me, you know, my site, my company, flapjacktech.com. If, you know, they, they want consulting on pretty much anything, bespoke development, uh, getting people up and running on the latest tech, you know, helping you replatform stuff like that.
0: Alexander, this has been really great. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and, and really get us thinking about being more open with our design choices for accessibility in mind.
3: Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I mean, that's really it, just thinking about it and we all make an impact just by doing the smallest thing possible and building from there. You know, it doesn't take more than that.
1: That was Alexander Lemkin. Alexander is a web engineer and architect focused on accessible and extensible solutions. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review
2: on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at sixfiguredev.
0: This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I'm John Callaway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash.